Jackson, and welcome to our podcast, Jaeger CPA Review and more. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger CPA Review, the course provider that deals only with the ASCPA blueprints. Please go to the JaegerCPAReview.com website and look at our various products and we believe in seeing is believing. And therefore, please look at our three-day free trial. Pick a subject, and it'll give you three days free access unlimited to that product. And I believe that once you look at that product and see how it works, you will pick Jaeger CPA Review as your course provider. If you have any questions, you can reach us at 301-874-4900. If you press 5, you may even talk to Phil Jaeger. Take care, everyone, on your journey for the CPA exam. We wish you the best and good luck. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. This is Phil Yeager, and welcome to my podcast called CPA Review and More. Today, we're not talking about CPA Review. We're talking about more, and I'm very honored to be talking to this gentleman, Ian Schnoor, all right, who is in Canada. I don't know if you could be our first Canadian guest, okay? All right. Uh, now, Ian has got a phenomenal background. In fact, I said to myself, he wanted to be on this little podcast. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing. I, I'm, I'm so grateful I got him, you know. He could have been on the Leno show. <laughs> he, he could have been on the Tonight Show or whatever. But he said, no, I want to be on that Phil Yeager show. So I said, well, I can't, you know, I can't account for your taste. So anyway, all right, Ian, welcome to the Show, you are not a CPA, am I correct? Because you are, I am not a CPA, and thank you for having me on your show. I highly prefer this over Leno any day of the week, so thank you for having me. Well, uh, first of all, Leno's not on anymore, but oh, right, now, right, yeah, yeah, so you'd be a very lonely guest, right? Right, okay, but anyway, Ian, you live in where? Tell us where you're, where you I'm live. in Toronto, Canada, very nice city. I've been there, you have, and, yes, uh, yes, been there a couple of times. And uh, you are not really in the accounting realm of business. You're more or less in finance, right? Yes, I, I function in the finance world, but it overlaps a lot with accountants. And I end up teaching some accounting and teach accountants. A lot of accountants have come through what we do. So there's a lot of overlap. But I myself, I'm not a, 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 a record. I have a CFA designation, but not accounting designation. CFA is a Chartered Financial Analyst. Correct. Chartered and Financial Analyst. Yeah, through the CFA. It all over. It's in Canada, all over the world. Okay? All over the world. Very hard exam. It's not an easy exam. I know that. And getting harder. That's right. Is it getting harder? Well, okay. the pass rate was 22% this wow. year. Wow, that's low. That's okay. very low. Well, it's probably good. You know, it makes you more, you know, you're more in demand then. Well, more of something, I guess, but okay. yes. All right. Now we're going to talk today about what Ian does. He does financial modeling. Yeah. And when I got the letter from his uh, person who represents him, uh, she said he'll talk about financial modeling. All right. Now, my first thought was, is he going to bring on a bunch of models? <laughs> All right. And then they'll model their finances. I don't know. All right. But anyway, Ian, what is financial modeling? Because you are involved in that. I am involved in that. And I could bring on some to show you, but they wouldn't get you too excited. But uh, financial modeling is a skill and it's a discipline. It's actually more than just a skill that is becoming more and more important, has become increasingly important over the last 10, 20 years. And in a nutshell, it's a discipline of building a forecast, a financial forecast, usually of a company within a spreadsheet. 
So it's all about forecasting a company's future performance, forecasting all of their financial statements, typically five to 10 years into the future, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. But that's it. It's simply the act of building a forecast. Now, all accountants have done that. We've all forecasted. The problem is, and this is why it's a discipline, the problem is that most people's forecasts that they build in spreadsheets are a disaster. They're a mess. And they make it very, very difficult for them to use. And what I always tell people is that the reason why modeling has become so important is because financial models build, built in spreadsheets have become the most important decision-making tool these days in all of accounting and finance. So many decisions people make are based on the backs of a financial model. It could be a planning decision, an operational decision. It could be an investment decision, a valuation decision. It could be a decision regarding a mergers and acquisitions opportunity. It could be a credit decision, a lending decision. And they're all based on what the future could look like. And we try to organize it and synthesize it in our spreadsheet tool, and it's called a model. But as I said, so often people don't have the skills to build them uh, in a way. We like to say that a good model should be beautiful. It should be easy to use, easy to follow, easy to understand, like a beautiful piece of software within your Excel spreadsheet. But people don't know how to do that. And as a result, it makes it very difficult for people to use. And just last, if any of your listeners has ever had a spreadsheet that they that made them want to swear and curse all the time, where they found mistakes all the time, where it took them way too long to use it, to update it, to make sense out of it. Well, that's an example of a tool that wasn't working very well, but that they needed for a critical decision. So we want people to have phenomenal best-in-class skills so that they can build world-class models and make optimal financial decisions. Now, do you just uh, train people for this area of financial modeling? Uh, you train them, you consult, all right? Now, I want to explain to you what's happening in the United States, okay? Yeah. Uh, the certified public accountants, all right, you know, people think CPAs are just people who do books, you know, debits right. and credits. Right. But we have a lot of CPAs that are going into consulting. Yes. Now, how many people in the U.S. do you think are going into financial modeling? All right. I mean, do you have any idea? All right. Oh, You're training people. Yeah. Where do most of your people come that you train? Well, so let's back up. So I so I started my career as an investment banker and investment bankers are required to do lots of financial models and modeling because we're trying to help companies make acquisitions. We're helping companies with financing. So there's lots of modeling that goes on. And around 20 years ago, I left banking. I spent some time at, at a bank called BMO and then I spent a few years at Citibank. Um, it was called Solomon Smith Barney back then. And mm -hmm. I left... And about 20 years ago, I started a training business called the Marquee Group. And at the Marquee Group, we run training courses all over the world to help people learn and improve their financial modeling skills. And so we've been doing that for a long time. And the, the firm is still very active doing that at all sorts of large global banks and, and regional banks, pension funds, business schools. But what happened was around 10 years ago, we started to notice something very interesting happening. Um, what was happening was previously, when banks wanted to hire um, new bankers, they would say, we're looking for someone with, I don't know, um, a CPA or a CFA or an, or an MBA, whatever it was. We're looking for people with these qualifications. Around five to 10 years ago, that changed. And job postings would start to say, we're looking for those credentials, but we also want people who have strong financial modeling skills. They would start, so they started saying that years ago, we're looking for people with proven modeling skills. It became a prerequisite, if you will, to getting hired. And so all sorts of students and junior professionals panicked and they said, ah, how do I prove that I have strong modeling skills? And so what they would all do is take a course. They would attend a course from either Marquee Group or there's lots and lots of, well, not lots, but there's a handful. There's, a, there's four or five training firms in the US that provide training in financial modeling. And people would say, I took a training course from XYZ company. And, and that's what they would say. But of course, as you would know, simply taking a course doesn't mean you've got strong skills. It means you took the course. If you really want to get good at anything, you need to practice it and, and really hone your skills over and over. So we realized that there was a huge need globally 
for an organization that was an accreditation body, a true accreditation body that would validate and test people's modeling skills so that if they pass the test, we could truly certify them as saying, yes, this person, this guy, Phil, truly has outstanding modeling skills. So when Phil applies for a job, he doesn't have to say, yeah, I, I have good skills because I took a course. He can actually say, I have this designation and now I've ticked a box. Now you know that I have excellent modeling skills because I got through a challenging, very difficult exam. And so, and sorry, so we're doing that through another organization we started five years ago called the Financial Modeling Institute. The FMI, the Financial Modeling Institute, is now an organization that a number of us around the world got together. And in 2017, we launched it to test and validate people's modeling skills. And we have people all over the world sitting the exams. Who accredits you? You say you're accredited by who? See, we have accreditations here in the States. Yeah. Colleges are regionally accredited. Um, uh, there's, uh, for example, business schools here, uh, yep. you know, in accounting, they're accredited by the American assembly of collegiate schools of business. Right? Yeah. So my question is this, how do you prove you have the expertise and who accredits you? All right. And where are you going to get the training from? Is, I mean, it sounds to me like the person who goes into this has a very strong, uh, analytical skills. Yeah. Uh, a strong math skills. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so if we take the person who is a CPA, okay, yeah. it's supposed to be the hardest professional exam. Yeah. Uh, and it probably still is. Uh, but the thing is, a person says, gee, I, you know, it sounds interesting. I'd like to go into mergers, acquisitions, yeah. that type of thing. All right. But uh, here I am. Uh, I'm a, I passed the CPA exam. Okay. Now, what's my next step? And uh, what do I do once I get the CPA? I'm working in an accounting firm. I'm working for a corporation. Yeah. Right. Do I have to take time off? And how long does this financial modeling course go for? Yeah. So these are a lot of great questions that you packed in there. Let me first start by saying that financial modeling is a very multidisciplinary skill set, which is part of why a lot of people like it. And as I said, it's it's equally relevant to people who work in finance roles and accounting roles. A lot of accountants. Um, do financial modeling as part of their job. If you happen to be an accountant working at a, at a company and you're involved, you're in the finance team, you might be expected to build a forecast for the business or for a division. And you, that's basically a model. You want to build a model of your own business, of your own organization. Or if you're working as a lender at any bank, or you're working in equity research or in private equity or banking, all of those disciplines or if you're working on the on a consulting team or a deals team within one of the large accounting or at an accounting firm, you need modeling skills. So it's it's multidisciplinary because to be a good modeler, you first of all have to have very strong Excel skills. That's the tool that we use. You have to have strong accounting skills. You don't need to be an accountant, um, but you need strong modeling skills. So for instance, I've taught probably a couple thousand days of modeling courses over my career through you know through the marquee group training business that I had started many years ago and I teach accounting all the time because you need to understand accounting to build models so you need to understand how the financial statements talk to each other you need to understand how a subsidiary might flow through the income statement and create a non-controlling interest and then roll through the cash flow statement and where does it touch the balance sheet you have to understand all the pieces and how they connect and talk to each other so you have to understand excel you have to understand accounting you have to understand business issues you have to understand finance you have to understand design how do we design data and organize a model well so we go through all of that in the accreditation um, and when people achieve their accreditation it means they have a strong basis in all of them and so that was sort of a, a question you were asking. So you um, grant the accreditation, correct? So the Financial Modeling Institute, the organization that we started is, we are granting, yes, the accreditation. Now, the our the FMI, our accreditation body, is itself not accredited, but we were formed and created by uh, a number of professionals around the world. We have, a, we have an, an advisory council that's comprised of very senior financial modelers, that are in New York. These this group of people is in Canada, uh, the U.S., uh, in New York, in the U.K., Singapore, Hong Kong, and Australia uh, is where we have our advisory council. Um, they are very senior professionals in in banks. Uh, three of them come from the three of the four large largest accounting firms. The the head of financial modeling globally at PwC sits on our advisory council. PwC, by the way, uses 
our exams for their own people. So if you work at PwC in many of their offices and you want to join one of their transaction teams or their deal teams, you need to get through at a minimum our level one exam, which is called the AFM, the Advanced Financial Modeler Exam. So PwC is using this. You know, in a nutshell, uh, the premise behind our exams are are pretty simple. Our level one exam gives people a case study and says, here, here's four hours, go, go build a financial model of this company that we've given you a case study on. And that's it. And we literally give people four hours. The exams are proctored. They're highly controlled. Um, and, and people have to build it up. And then we have a grading team all over the world that grades them on a very challenging rubric. And if people get past the bar, then the FMI, the institute we created, the Financial Modeling Institute, will bestow the, the designation and give grant people their AFM. So we, that's how we function. We're sort of self-functioning in that way with you know, a large network of people. I will also share with you, you know, some exciting news is the former CEO of the CFA Institute uh, globally, who's based in Hong Kong, has just joined our team as a board member and as a senior advisor. And um, he, when he was heading up the CFA Institute, saw a tremendous need amongst finance professionals and CFA charter holders to, to have modeling skills. And so he's excited to help join us. We've got some other very senior industry professionals joining us as well, because they really believe in, in the need for this globally. See, a friend of mine uh, who got the CFA, and this is probably about 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, he went to, uh, I don't know what he was doing before, but he went to, uh, <clears throat> took off full-time. His wife is a doctor, but he took off full-time, went to Georgetown University, all right, to get his degree in finance. Yeah. All right. And then he studied for the CFA. Okay. Right? And he studied full-time. Really? Right. Yeah. Study, well, he didn't have to worry about income. Okay. okay. All right. And I don't know how many parts there were to the CFA. Yeah. Listen, people put in different amounts of time. I did my CFA designation years ago as well. The CFA program is three levels. It's three separate exams. Historically, you could only do them once a year. So, uh, so it, it took, takes people at least three years typically to get through all of the exams. Um, and you need to, in the CFA, you got to get through all three of the exams and then get work experience. And then you, they, des, uh, they bestow the designation upon you. I mean, there's a range. I, uh, tip most people like myself would study, um, on we weekends and evenings for, uh, for a few months. And then, you know, I would always take off the week, a few days or a week before the exam and just trying to do a bit of extra uh, cramming and, and, and more intense studying. But, and that was, you know, enough to, to get through that, um, yeah, I don't know too many. I don't know too many people who've literally made it a full time pursuit. Well, I, I guess all right. He they had adopted a child, so he sort of took care of the child during the day. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So he was spending uh, a few hours a day studying, I guess, when he could. Now he was a heavy in finance. Yeah. And the reason was that um, at the time, oh, one of the parts of the CPA exam called the BC part. This is environment and concepts yeah that has some finance in it okay finance economics and we found that someone who has that background is not going to be an accountant so he okay. was not a cpa he was a cfa okay and he taught the economics taught the finance the only problem is he couldn't bring it down to the level that you had to know as a cpa got it right he was i'm sure what he was saying was correct all right and he worked in he worked in derivatives. He, he worked for every in everything, but yeah. um, he eventually, uh, you know, I lost track with him, and I bumped into him in D.C. and he was working for a big consulting firm, big consulting firm, yeah, and doing very well. But he he was always out of town, a lot of traveling. Yeah. So I think to myself, is a CPA coming out of college? All right, is, is an accounting major coming out of college? All right, who passed the CPA exam going to be good at finance? I think they might if a lot of uh, a lot of people now are going into accounting uh, and what they're doing is they're getting double majors. Yeah. So I, I know yeah. this young man, he's at the University of Colorado. All right. And he's, there's a five year program now to take the CPA exam. All right. So he'll finish up accounting in four years, but he still can't take the exam because he needs yeah. a fifth year of education. Right. So he's going to also major in finance. Now, 
he would sound to me like the perfect candidate. Yeah. All right. But I honestly, and I'm not saying anything bad about people taking, you know, getting coming out of accounting. We have so many online universities here. Yep. And we also have, I hate to say it, we have universities here, not every university, where the people that are coming in and teaching, all right, this American Assembly Collegiate Schools of Business, they're only interested in one thing, all right, that these PhDs, they have to have a certain amount of PhDs, all right, they do research. Yes. So, all right, the students are not really taught well because we we find that people who do research aren't necessarily good teachers. Yeah. Right. Where now University of Maryland has thought, you know, there are people who don't want to publish. They don't want to do research, but they're excellent teachers. Okay. All right. So if you're going into accounting, you want to learn accounting. All right. You don't care about the guy writing a research paper about something which is so esoteric that you don't really care what's in. No one reads them anyway. All right. Now, I'm just, you know, I'm thinking to myself, can someone with just an accounting degree from a school uh, go into an area like this? It sounds very sophisticated. They can. Right? They can. You know, we always like to say, I mean, as you know, accounting, there's a lot of in overlap between accounting and finance. I'm, I'm on the finance side of the spectrum. Um, and I like to say that, you know, a, st a strong finance professional should have a strong accounting background. We like to say in finance that accounting is the language. That is the language of finance. Oh, it's very, yes. very difficult to be a strong finance practitioner if you do not have a strong accounting background. We don't want to practice accounting, but we need to understand it. Uh, you know, one of my favorite university profs in finance started off in the course by our corporate finance course and sort of said the major, you know, and I use this line, the people, you know, in university don't always understand the difference between accounting and finance. And, you know, he articulated, I thought, quite nicely when he said that accounting is not exclusively, but largely focused on the past and understanding what has happened and under and recognizing it and recording it and explaining it and making sure it's accurate. Whereas finance, by and large, is focused on the future. Um, and so, but of course, there's overlap. And But to understand what the future is going to look like, you need to understand the language. And as I said earlier, understand, you know, if a company is doing the following things, how is that going to roll through their financial statements? How will a certain cost item impact working capital, touch the balance sheet, impact their capital structure? How will it all tie together on the income statement, balance sheet, et cetera? And so you need to be able to kind of think through that. But yes, if someone, because modeling is a very multidisciplinary skill set, if you already come into modeling and you have an, if you have a strong accounting background, you have a leg up. You already have uh, a great starting point compared with others who do not. So you know, a lot of accountants come in and want to get certified. And they can, they often do a little easy, a little faster, a little easier because they understand the accounting. They don't need to learn. They don't need to understand, learn what depreciation is and what it means. They just need to understand how you model it and how you forecast it. So for sure, having an accounting background is always an outstanding starting point to then uh, leapfrog into other areas you know, of business. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast, Jaeger CPA Review and more. This podcast is sponsored by Jaeger CPA Review, the course provider that deals only with the ASCPA blueprints. Please go to the JaegerCPAReview.com website and look at our various products and we believe in seeing is believing. And therefore, please look at our three-day free trial. Pick a subject, and it'll give you three days free access unlimited to that product. And I believe that once you look at that product and see how it works, you'll pick Jaeger CPA Review as your course provider. If you have any questions, you can reach us at 301 874 4900. If you press five, 
You may even talk to Phil Yeager. Take care, everyone, on your journey for the CPA exam. We wish you the best and good luck. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of CPA Review and More. We are pleased to bring you the number one podcast for CPAs and CPA candidates. If you'd like to learn more about how Jaeger CPA Review can help you, find us on our website at JaegerCPAReview.com. Now, here's your host, Phil Jaeger. Yeah, because a lot of people are going into advisory services and estates here consulting. One person that I know, like he said to me, he got a CPA. Yeah. And he went to work for a public accounting firm, a big four, all right, yeah. for four years. And that was good to help him to go into the consulting area, which it sounds very similar to what you're doing. All right. But he said, you have to know how to analyze the financial statements. Of course, right. And generally, it's the CPA and working in public accounting, all right, that did that for him. That's right. Okay? Now, let's assume I'm that person, all right? I come to you, all right? You're going to put me through this financial modeling, right? Right. Right, which is, you said, how many exams? Well, we have three separate levels. So the first level is one exam. It's And if you pass that exam, it's a four-hour exam, and you can earn the advanced financial model or the AFM designation. Okay. What about the second one? The second level is called the CFM, the chartered financial model. That's also that's also a separate okay. four four hour exam. Uh, it's only only AFMs are eligible. You need to get through level one if you want. You don't have to get to level two. Level one is probably appropriate for most people, but if you really want to get to a much even more detailed, sophisticated level of modeling, some people aspire to our second level, which is the chartered financial modeler. And the third one is called what? The third one is called the master financial model level, the MFM. And that one is more like, you'll uh, recognize this, is more like uh, an accounting fellowship. The master financial model level is more akin to a lifetime achievement. It is more of um, an application process for people who can demonstrate contribution to the field of modeling, people who have been working in modeling for a long time, who have exceptional technical skills, who have been teaching or leading groups or interacting with clients and have really or have contributed to the field in some way through talks, publish, publishing you know, content, um, and you know, who are truly at the top of the pyramid. And 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 are deserving of of that. And our and we have a you know a committee that's being launched next year. By the way, um, we have we were supposed to launch it just before COVID, but then we got um, we had some other things to deal with. So that's going to come out next year. The master level, the third. So it level. sounds to me like if you take maybe the first course, yeah, that could be enough to go into financial modeling. Or do you need the second one? No, you don't need the second one. The first. So uh, the the the, uh, the first. So, and it's not a course, so to speak. It's not, it's more, again, the, when is it people, a case study, is it a case study? It's so it is an exam. What we're selling people is access ability to write the exam. And if they pass the exam, they get um, the designation. The exam itself is a case study and they have to build up a model. Now, you asked earlier about how people can learn this. Think of the Institute. Our FMI Institute is sort of like the CPA organization. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, there are approximately 25 training firms all over the world that run training courses to help people prepare for our exams in the same way that you do to help people prepare for the CPA exams through your own business. So there's around 25 firms all over the world that help people prepare. Also, through the FMI, we also have our own uh, learning materials. We have a whole tutorial series. So when people sign up for the exam, they get access to a learning management portal with um, about 12 hours of video series that walks people through step by step by step. So they can either use the tutorial series that comes by signing up for the AFM exam, or they can use another training firm and pay that firm to help teach them uh, how to build a financial model. Do you teach them how to build a financial model? Well, so through the through the FMI, we don't run training courses, but they, we do. We did create learning materials, so our learning materials can effectively teach people. Yes, if they want to use our learning materials, which people like a lot, they're welcome to use our learning materials. Uh, but we don't run classes. Like the FMI does not run okay. classes where you come and every Monday night you sit with us and we teach you. We're 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 think again like the CFA Institute or the CPA Institute. 
we're there to kind of uh, adjudicate, proctor, build the exams and, and validate people who have passed the exams. Um, and that's what we're doing at the FMI. Your financial statements are in international financial reporting standards, correct? Yeah, um, yes. We, to be perfectly honest, um, they are generic enough that they could pass for US GAAP or IFRS. We're not trying to get we're not trying to get so much into the weeds that the that the company the company whenever we create companies under for the case studies to write the exam um i mean it, it could easily be built either way we don't get into enough granularity that forces people to understand that we don't want people to have to worry about the distinction between IFRS and US GAAP. So for instance, we will give people information in the case study about the, the sector, the industry, the company, uh, how revenue works, how their cost structure is designed. We'll talk about the fixed assets and CapEx well, programs. Accounting. It sounds like a lot of accounting. Yeah. It doesn't require an, an intimate knowledge of IFRS rules or, or GAAP rules. People write this exam in the US, so they write it all over the world. And so it's sort of agnostic to which you know which um, accounting rules that you need to adhere to. Yeah, you're, you're talking about fixed assets, okay? Um, what basically it sounds like you you know a person has to know the information of an accountant, and then you said no, all right? You said the accountant is more or less you know calculating depreciation that type of thing. That's all right. right. That's not what you do. No, it is because if we're building, a, so what we'll tell them on in the case study for the exam, for the AFM exam, we'll say, hey, here's a company, company A, company A has PP&E on their balance sheet of, of X dollars, and this is their capital expenditure forecast for the next five years. We'll say to them that they use straight line methodology or declining balance and and, and over, over 20 years or over 10 years, whatever it is, and we'll expect people to take that information and be able to forecast all of the asset-based calculations. So they'll have to build a depreciation schedule in their spreadsheet that properly forecasts depreciation or using whichever methodology we provide. But what I was saying is it's agnostic as to whether you live in a country that uses IFRS versus US GAAP, because wherever you are, you still need to know how to forecast the depreciation expense using a you know different different approaches. So it shouldn't matter whether you are using IFRS typically or you GAAP. You know that IFRS is no longer on the CPA exam. They so took it, they take it they put it on the exam. Yeah. Because they wanted a convergence of yes, GAAP right. and I okay. Yeah. All right. And IFRS was never approved by the, the SEC. That's right. So therefore it was taken out of the exam as of July 1st. IFRS. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, that okay. that's right. I mean, but my understanding from that is what they've taken out is pe they don't they don't need people to have an intimate um, understanding of the distinction in rules between IFRS versus US GAAP. So it's uh, not important that you know that LIFO no, because, is not an acceptable method of inventory for IFRS. No, because when you forecast when when you forecast in a financial forecast, the inventory methodology is is um is somewhat secondary again we're not financial modelers and financial models are rarely getting into the level of of, of granularity around uh, am i using average life am i using lifo am i using fifo um what we're trying to do when looking out into the future is say what were the balances what were the account balances at the end of last period and how am i going to forecast them based on expectations on collecting cycles receivable days inventory days and use that information to forecast um, what I think my account balances will be into the future so that I can understand my working capital positions. But for most high-level models, it's not relevant. And I understand, right, obviously IFRS does allow LIFO or FIFO, US GAAP does not allow both of them. That's not going to come into play uh, when you're forecasting the company into the future. Where do most of the, uh, the financial modelers come from, all right? What countries you're dealing with all over the world, right? Yeah, it's right. amazing. It's all right. Uh, you have you know what? Well, let's assume we have all financial models 100%. Yeah. All right, yeah, Can you tell me first of all, where do most of them come from? What country? It's an excellent question. I mean, the fun thing about what we're doing and what we've seen is that there's interest, uh, all over the world. We've had people sit our exams from over 50 or 60 countries around the world. 
um, you know, during, we used to run our exams in person, like you'd go to a testing center and you'd sit the exam in person. Right, right. But with COVID, we moved to a virtual approach where people write from home or from, uh, from their office. But we, but it's even more rigorous than ever before because our, our proctoring software gets a full recording of the person and of their screen. So we're watching the screen, we're watching them. So if anyone comes into the room, if they start talking to anyone, we get flagged. We can see what's happening. Um, we can see if they're using other, if they're going to other internet sources, which they're not, not, not allowed to do. So um, they're do so we've seen people, a lot of interest, though, I'll tell you, Phil, from Africa, from the Middle East, from Asia. Um, you know, there's certainly plenty in North and we've had a lot of writers from New York, Toronto, Chicago, and the major financial centers in the U S uh, there are a lot of people from the United States. Yeah. We are getting people. We're getting a lot of people. Listen, we're not getting huge, huge numbers yet. We're still relatively new. And so, and it's a very challenging exam. So when people become aware of us, they need to be ready for the exam. So we're, we're building uh, our volumes, our numbers, but every time we sit an exam and we get hundreds of people come out, they're coming to us from all over the world. And uh, do you find that the people that are going into this have a very high intelligent uh, rate? They're very intelligent. Yeah, I mean, you need to be quite intelligent to, you don't need to be, you know, a genius by any stretch. You need to be intelligent. You need to be you know, modeling has two major components to it, Phil. There's there's the knowledge portion and then there's the skills portion. I'm not sure if you ever, did you ever do any sport growing up or play any sports yourself? Are you a golfer? Uh, no, I did. Uh, basically, uh, every day I would get up from my bedroom. In fact, I can tell you today, uh, I get up, my bedroom is upstairs, okay? Yeah. All right. I get up about 6 a.m. and I took a good, brisk walk down the steps <laughs> Nice. Then I sit on the couch and watch MSNBC. Okay, so you watch it. Okay. Um, right. So you're not. Well, to answer your question, no, I didn't. No. Okay. Well, you can imagine though. You can imagine if we took, let's say, you know, golf as an example. Um, every every discipline that requires some practice, there's two components. There's the knowledge piece, and then there's the skills piece. Modeling has both. It's kind of like a sport. If you wanted to learn golf in about two hours, you could learn a lot of what you need to know about the game. You could learn the history. You could understand a golf course works. You could understand the different clubs. I could teach you who the major players are. I could teach you how to scoring works and you could learn all the things you need to know about golf in a few hours. That's the knowledge side. But to really get good at golf, you got to go to a driving range for hours and hours, day on day on day on end. Um, if someone was brand new to the U S and wanted to become an excellent golfer, you could teach them the knowledge that they need in a few hours, but they're going to need months by themselves on a driving range, hitting balls, hitting balls, practicing, practicing, playing over and over. And then they could get very good. Modeling is the same. If you, you know, by taking, uh, going through our learning materials or taking a course, we'll teach you all the knowledge you need. You'll learn about working capital. You'll learn about depreciation. You'll understand debt. But to get good at it, to pass the exam, you need to put in the reps. You need to put in the tries and the time to do it over and over and over and over again until you're really comfortable. You know, building up a full model of a company in under four hours is challenging. Just on a time, that's a lot of time pressure. So Phil, I will tell you, of the people who fail the exam, we can tell a lot of the fail people... A lot of those who fail, failed because they ran out of time. So they had a good understanding of what they were doing. They were doing great work on the exam, but they ran out of time. But that's important too, because anyone who does modeling for a living knows you need to know what you're doing and you got to be pretty quick. You got to be able to work fast because people want you to do it very quickly. And so, um, so that's what we're looking for. And you know what? Those who pass do it in much, they can do it in three hours, but um, but yeah, so, so it's something that you just need to keep doing over and over and you'll get it. You don't need to be a, a, a you know, rocket scientist to kind of get there. You need to go through the content and then practice a lot. After I pass my first level of your exam, okay, yeah. I go and look for a position. All right? Yeah. Are companies there going to hire me and give me the training or do they want people who have the training already? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So if you happen to be um, looking for a job that requires modeling skills. Um, when when recruiters and employers see that you are an AFM, they will come to learn that an AFM means you're an advanced financial modeler and you passed a very challenging, rigorous exam. Now we are 
we are in um, in 2022. We've got a major educational campaign on the go. Those who know about what we're doing are using it and like it. So, for instance, as I mentioned at PwC, they're using the exams internally as as their barometer, their their tool. Um, but we are working very hard to educate the world. Uh, we're looking to educate professors all over the world. We're looking to educate banks and bankers and big companies. We want people. We want it to become somewhat ubiquitous, where someone who's recruiting or who's looking for people comes to understand that if you meet a candidate and they have their AFM, that means they have outstanding financial modeling skills. And we're uh, we're working to help educate people so that they're aware of that. Okay, but my question is, when you get it, all right, you want to get a, a job, a position, correct? Yes, right. Yeah, right? yeah, right. How hard is it to get a job with no experience in the field? Oh, um, well... I mean, it it really does depend to some extent. Some jobs are entry level jobs, and other jobs do want people. It's a bit of a bit of a um, chicken entry and egg. level means no experience or a year sure. or two. Absolutely. So, for instance, a lot of finance jobs recruit uh, people right out of university. So, a lot of credit jobs, a lot of banking jobs will bring in. Um, the you know a, a, gr- a group of seniors. Every one of the major banks brings in hundreds and hundreds of recent undergrads and MBAs. But in order for these, these jobs are very heavily sought out people. These are very, very um, competitive jobs to get. So if some students can demonstrate that they not only have good grades and they not only have the right degree, but they also have an AFM that tells the employer, wow, you really took your modeling skills. So you have a great um, academic background and you have excellent financial modeling skills. And we know that because you've got your, that will just we'll give them invest, an advantage. We'll invest money in you to become, give you the training. Yeah, because we know you're already going to be coming in quite strong in modeling. And, you know, I got to tell you, some people who join banks really have a hard time figuring out this skill. And if a bank hires someone and they just can't figure out modeling, then that person may not be very effective in the role. I'm curious about one thing. Are you familiar with what's going on in the U.S. work market, aren't you? Oh, that, yeah, it's... Uh, very yeah. competitive. People are just retiring. Uh, yeah. They can't find people to work. Yeah. All right. Do you have the same problem in Canada? Yeah, we're experiencing a pretty tight labor market right now as well. People are leaving the workforce. Um, businesses booming at, at the at the higher end corporate side. Banks are hiring. There's been a lot of turnover at banks. It's it's pretty similar to what you're seeing in the U.S. right now. Indeed. You see, they were able to quit here in the U.S. because they were getting huge amounts of money from the government. Oh, is that why? Oh, yeah, they were getting uh, tax-free unemployment, okay. 600 a week, and maybe another uh, $400 a week, all right, just as supplemental because the economy was so bad. They were getting $1,000 a week for staying home. Wow. So therefore, all right, and a lot of, the, a lot of it is, I think it's based on uh, states, counties, but, you know, a lot of people maybe are still on this. If you're getting $1,000 a week, U.S. dollars, tax-free, what's your incentive to go to work? Not much, I guess. that's what the problem is. Okay. And they're actually going after now retirees, Uh huh. right? Try to get them to come back into the workforce. Yeah, and that's created a real, so that's creating a problem because now, I mean, some, a lot of bankers that I've spoken to recently, recruiters are struggling to find people. There's, there's a lot of turnover and they're finding it tough. They don't get a lot of good applications when they put up job postings right now. Um, so yes, it is definitely, um, a good market to be looking for work. It won't always stay that way. And, um, and those who really want to get in or get to the next level continue, they continue to have to distinguish themselves and prove that they have the skills needed. Uh, in the States, they're saying this could continue for a long time. Uh, as long as, Hey, people have this money they built up this tax-free money and, uh, you know, they they have enough money and savings to say one day, all right, you want me to come to the office to go to work? Yeah. No, I'll work at home, yeah. all right? But I'll only work nine to five. And yeah. now with the employees are dictating to the employers. And that's a big uh, change the employers have to accept. Yeah. So, uh, but they are going to retirees. Now, I know yeah. in uh, in Canada, uh, you get pension, uh, the government uh Supplement. Oh, I'm sorry. The government pays your pension when you retire, right? Uh no. It depends where you're working. I mean, our COVID programs, I think, were somewhat similar to yours. People were getting also 
fair fair amounts of um, of of cash payments if they were out of work or lost work, and so that's part of contributing to the same issues here. Yeah, pensions. No, I mean we we have you contribute little... to your own pension plans, or uh, is it uh, non-contributory? I mean, does the employer contribute and only the employer, or can you match it? Like in the states, you can match it, but it it truly depends on on the company. So some companies some companies match other. Some companies still have defined benefit programs. Some have defined contribution programs. Some have nothing. Um, go, different government agencies operate differently. We're in a very interesting time where there's a wide range of of retirement. And then for those who are um, then if you work at so some companies you don't really get much of a pension, but. So the government has a retirement plan where you can contribute to your own retirement X dollars per year, and then it's it grows, you, it reduces your taxable income. So if you contribute to your own uh, retirement plan, you effectively take dollar for dollar off your top level income, and then it grows tax free until you retire. So there are programs here where you can self fund. Sounds similar. Yeah, yeah, it's the same idea. But a lot of corporations here and states are getting rid of those defined benefit plans. Oh yeah, yeah, same with here. The, the yeah. they're they are going the way of the dodo bird actually around here. I mean, I don't know too many other than some government agencies and um, it seems to be a thing of the past, the defined benefit plan, yes. Yeah, and we've been talking about defined benefit and I would think that a lot of people watching this don't even know what it is, but- uh, Oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's... And, and I apologize, we, we, and you can be frank with me, we hardly touched the surface of what you do. Oh no, that's we touched on a little bit and it's been fun chatting with you, but you're right. There's certainly opportunity to to chat more at some point if you're interested. It's uh, It's been fun chatting with you today. No, I would like to, I always, uh, what I do at the end is I usually say to whoever I'm interviewing is, uh, give yourself a plug why people should do get into this, all right? <laughs> and in less than, can you do it? In less than five minutes? Oh, could for you, sure. Could you give me a plug? Uh, I'm coming. I'm, I'm thinking about it. Well, this I listened to it. it sounds interesting. Uh, uh, mergers, acquisitions. Uh, you know, give me a reason. Uh, sure. Why if I you, should go into this? Why you should go into modeling and why you should get certified and get an get an accreditation in this area? Well, listen, it's pretty simple. If you are going to be working in any area of accounting or finance that's going to be involved in understanding forecasting companies for credit purposes, for valuation purposes. Maybe you're a money manager. Maybe you run money and you're investing in companies. Maybe you're just doing operational planning or budgeting. If you are in any way involved in making decisions or facilitating decision-making around some of the key critical business decisions that we make that I talked about, you're in need of modeling skills. That's modeling. Modeling is all about trying to capture the future as best as you can in a clean, organized, beautiful way to help your teams make optimal decisions. And if you're involved in that, you need strong modeling skills. And the only way to truly prove that you have strong modeling skills, because we're the only organization in the whole world right now that is doing this, is to validate your modeling skills through the FMI. And then the best, the best thing that happens when you get our AFM level is you've actually become a phenomenal financial modeler. In my mind, actually, the accreditation is, sep- is secondary. The primary thing is you have become an outstanding modeler in order to get through the exam, and that it's a skill that will serve you for the rest of your life. And there's more positions out there than there are supply of people, correct? Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of positions that are very hungry for people who have very strong modeling skills. It's a critical skill set, more than ever before. And the... Uh... How people are very materialistic, you know, still. Yeah. All right. How are the salaries? I mean, don't, I don't want a dollar amount, but how, are you uh, compensated for the amount of time studying your knowledge? Is it, yes. uh, it is very good. Yes. Jobs, jobs that are in a lot of accountants will move into finance roles, corporate finance roles, asset management roles, managing money because they do tend to pay higher than working um, in traditional accounting roles. It is just, it is what it is. And so having, having strong modeling skills is a great, great way to bolster your own personal resume to allow you to move into a finance role that will, that will undoubtedly be higher paying than most, you know, many accounting roles, I would think. I hope you felt that this was worthwhile uh, being on here. Uh, and I don't know if you gave enough information you wanted to, but I really would like you to come on again. Uh, 
and continue this. I mean, just I feel I feel like we scratched the surface. And maybe <laughs> I, that's my fault because I just keep talking. But, no, uh, you know, uh, uh, I uh, not at all. Phil, it's been a real pleasure to chat with you. You've got great background and great insights, and it's been a real pleasure to be here and to talk a little bit about financial modeling. You're absolutely right. By the way, how do people get in touch with you if they're interested in this? How do they get in touch with me? So my, I don't know if you're going to post that at all. My name is Ian Schnoor again. You can post it S-C-H-N-O-O-R. I'm easy to find on LinkedIn, but I, I'm the executive director of the organization I was talking about called the Financial Modeling Institute, the FMI. And our web, our website is fminstitute.com. And my contact info is there. It's not, we are not hard to find. We have a LinkedIn page. Um, so if you're interested in the Financial Modeling Institute, uh, you will not have a hard time finding us and you'll see me there um, again, Ian Schnoor. So not right, hard to I'll track. Get, uh, I'll get your your email, all right? And yeah, sure. It's on... And we'll get it on this uh, video, okay? Great. Well, that's fantastic, right. Phil. We appreciate that. I'd love to come back when you're ready. Um, we'll do some modeling together. I'll bring some models. I will. We'll do uh, what do you want me to wear? You like Pierre Cardin? Or <laughs> I want a little Pierre Cardin. I'm always looking for a little Pierre Cardin. Yes. Um, we'll get you up to speed too. Maybe we'll get you ready for Why don't we do that? Let's get you ready to, to write the modeling exam too. You can do it with your background. Uh, in my age, I'm afraid I won't get beyond uh, step one half. I mean, that's that's probably. Oh, you can, Phil. I'm optimistic. But I know you can do no, it. You know, people my age, I would think. Do you? No. So I, 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 you know what? It's all a state of mind, Phil. I, I'm optimistic. It is. It's just the number. That's what it's I'm told. Just the number. But I hate that number. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> just stay well and. Yeah, and thank, by the way, thank Ria Romano. Uh, Romando, is it Romano? Romano, Romano. Romano. Please tell her I appreciate all of her cooperation. And uh, I will call her again and, you know, we'll see if we, you're very hard to book, I understand. But, uh, you know. Uh, you know what? When you call, uh, it'll just be like, uh, like, uh, it'll be like uh, Jackie Mason. You, I'll, you give them password and. Uh, now, you, get, you know, the people watching this don't even know Jackie. Mason. I know is a famous yeah. comedian who you met. You told me about that, but oh, uh, great, great, I, great. uh, listen, I'm always, uh, when you, when you call, I will be thrilled to book a time whenever you like to come back and chat with you. I appreciate that. All right. Hey, stay well. You too, stay Phil. Safe. Ladies and gentlemen, I had today Ian Schnoor, all right. Coming to us from Canada, talking about what he does, which is financial modeling. All right. We barely scratched the surface. Hopefully we'll get Ian back another time and uh, we can continue this discussion. So, ladies and gentlemen, hey, take care, be well. And most importantly, this COVID has not made people very nice. So therefore, you be nice to people. <laughs> OK, take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Jaeger CPA Review and more. As a token for our appreciation for your listenership, we'd like to offer you 10% off your next purchase with Jaeger CPA Review. Save between $50 to $150 with code PODCAST10. If you'd like more information, look us up on JaegerCPAReview.com. And as always, if you've enjoyed this show, please rate and review on iTunes or your preferred listening platform. Again, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to you tuning in next time. All right.